Welcome to Walk in Truth. These are the Bible teachings of Pastor Michael Lent, equipping you to reach out with God's truth to all people and how to apply that truth to today's issues, trends, and culture. You can learn more about the program and our church when you visit walkintruth.com or you can download the free Living Truth app. Now here's part two of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus 6, verses 1 through 9, called The Four Cups. When we talk about being sanctified, we often say sanctified means to be set apart. And you can think of this as being repositioned by God. You are under the burden of sin, and he lifts that off of you and sets you free. Put your feet now upon solid ground. Christ fulfills these cups, and they have an application to our lives as believers because we have been You know, oftentimes when people get saved, they describe feeling like a weight came off of their shoulders. And that's the weight of sin. Isaiah 53 pictures Jesus as taking our burdens upon him, carrying the weight of our sin. And he carried it down the Via Dolorosa, which we will look at during the uh, Passion Week. And Jesus could have ended it. But he did it in obedience to his father. He carried the cross. He took the cat of nine tails. He endured that terrible suffering. He, took, he was whipped. You know, the, the uh, Hebrew slaves in Egypt were whipped by taskmasters. Jesus was whipped over and over and over again. And when Jesus stepped into this world, he stepped in to take our spot to put himself under the burden, to relieve us of the burden. This is what we call the vicarious atonement of Christ or the great exchange of the cross. Jesus, though innocent, bears our burden. He puts himself under the weight, the penalty of sin. He never sinned himself, but he, he steps in to be the substitute for us. And so here is the cup of sanctification. Jesus, by the way, honored these cups as he ate the Passover meal with his disciples, and he would have done it as a faithful Jew over and over again. He says in Luke 22, 14, I have earnestly, 15, desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer. For I say to you, I shall never again eat it until it is fulfilled in the kingdom of God. And when he had taken a cup and given thanks, he said, take this and share it among yourselves. For I say to you, I will not drink of the fruit of the vine from now on until the kingdom of God comes. And so Jesus shared in these cups and he was the fulfillment of these cups and his bride, the church, was sitting at that table. Now there was one who didn't belong to him, that was Judas, but his bride was there. And Ray Vanderlaan's done a series with focus on the family and he has taught on this idea of the dowry. And here's what would happen in the ancient world when you were going uh, to approach a prospective bride, you would show up at her home and you would show up with a bag of money and a bottle of wine and some paperwork. And you would be looking very suspicious as you came to ring the doorbell. But this would have been worked out before and the two dads would haggle over something called a dowry. And the dowry was the price for the bride. Ray Vanderlaan says that it's roughly equivalent to what you would pay for a home today. Woo! And all God's people said, oh, I'm glad things have changed. <laughs> anyway, so they would, they would haggle over it, and once they agreed, the father of the prospective groom would pour a cup of wine. Wine in Jewish thought represented life and joy. 
the prospective groom would offer it to the prospective bride. And she had a moment of decision. If she took the cup to her lips and drank from it, she was saying, I receive your life captured in the wine and I give you back my own. When Jesus was at the Last Supper and he transformed the Passover meal into what we call the Last Supper, he passed the cup. He passed the cup of redemption. And when each disciple drank from it, I think they knew what was going on. They were saying, life, Lord, we receive your life captured in the wine and we give you back our own. And Ray Vanderlaan beautifully says, Jesus, in essence, at the Last Supper was saying to the disciples, will you marry me? Will you be my bride? Will you be my family? And there was something deep going on that night that I think the disciples maybe didn't fully realize all the angles. And maybe we don't either when we come to the table or when we take another step towards the Lord and maturing in our walk. Or maybe the diamond turns a little bit more on the the gospel that we've embraced in our lives. It's, it's deep. And so <clears throat> the scholars have also said to pay attention to the I will statements in these verses. There's seven of them. There's four cups, but seven I will statements. Take a look at the verse again. Say, therefore, to the sons of Israel, six, I am the Lord. I will bring you out from under the burdens of the Egyptians. Now that is the cup of sanctification, but you'll notice that it is God doing the work. Unless God had intervened, there would be no deliverance. So the cup of sanctification is also known as the cup of consecration. I will bring you out. I will do the work. It's a promise of liberation from under the burdens of the Egyptians, out and free. The word for church in Greek is ekklesia, And it literally means the called out one. So if you're a Christian today, the name church means to be called out. Called out of the world. Egypt is a type or a picture of the world. And called to Christ. And scholars have pointed out that the promised land or Canaan is more a picture of the walk of the believer than it is of heaven. Because we can see that in the wilderness wanderings and all the struggle that they went through. And that could be debated, but you, you kind of get the picture there. So God says, I'm going to bring you out. I'm going to bring you out of there and to myself. Galatians 3.22 says these words. But the scripture has shut up all men under hupo, under sin. It's the idea of all people are under the weight of a huge, massive boulder of sin. And it says that the promise by faith, Galatians 3.22, in Jesus Christ might be given to those who believe. The scripture has declared the whole world to be prisoners in subjection to sin. Sometimes people, you know, they hear about the gospel of Jesus Christ and they say something like this, well, that's good for you and if that's what you need, then fine. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible says the whole world is under the burden of sin. And the further picture here is that we are caught in a massive net. The word shut up But the scripture has shut up all men under sin is a word for enclosing a bunch of fish within a net. And so when you round out the picture, it's this picture of the whole world under this burden of sin and crammed in a fishing net. All of us are in the same net. Sometimes we have a saying, we're all in the same boat. Well, we're all in the same net because of what sin does. Sin separates us from God and sin must be judged because God is holy. 
And this is where Messiah steps in. He takes the wrath of God. He takes the burden of our sin upon himself, carries the weight, if you will, the penalty of our sin. He was wounded for our transgressions, bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement for our peace fell upon him, and by his wounds we are healed. All of us, like sheep, have gone astray. Everyone has turned to his own way, and the Lord laid on him the iniquity of us all. That's what's happening during the crucifixion of Jesus Christ. That is the penalty that the Lord is taking, the weight of the sin of the world and the judgment of the Father. There's a beautiful scene in Cecil B. DeMille's the movie The Ten Commandments where uh, Moses' mother, unknown to him in the movie, uh, Yoshebed is greasing a massive stone and it's being moved by all these Hebrew slaves to build yet another city for the Pharaoh. And uh, her clothing gets caught under this rock as it's moving along. And so one of the ladies in the movie runs and sees what's happening and she says, stop the stone, stop the stone. And they're like, we're not stopping the stone for an old woman, no way. And she goes, run, run to the Prince Moses. And so she, she runs uh, up there and finally you know, gets his attention and he agrees to come down. And he kneels before this woman and in the movie, this is just the movie, he doesn't know it's his mom. And he kneels down and, and he says to the Egyptian taskmasters, would you bury her in a tomb of rock? And they kind of smirk. And she kneels before, he kneels before his mother and he says, what happened? And she goes, it was caught. My clothing was caught and I couldn't free myself. And he said, you shouldn't be bearing this burden, old woman. And Moses becomes a Messiah figure. Interestingly enough, in the movie, comes to the rescue of his own mom. This is what Messiah does. He comes to our rescue. We're caught under the rock of sin. We can't free ourselves. We need a deliverer. Moses will end up being a deliverer. He will become, he is a type of Jesus Christ. We're caught in the net. We cannot free ourselves. Blessed be the Lord, Psalm 66, 19, who daily bears our burden, the God who is our salvation, Selah. God is to us a God of deliverances, Psalm 66, 20. The second cup, if we can move in the next slide, is the cup of deliverance. The cup of deliverance. There's the second cup. And the image there is the Lord breaking our chains. And so remember, we are moving through the cups of the Seder meal, but they have direct application to us as believers. And again, we have an I will statement. I will deliver you, verse 6, three cups in verse 6. From their bondage, I will free you, NIV, from being slaves to them. This is the cup of deliverance. This is just something that you can write down. I'm going to read it for you. Romans 6, 4 through 6 says, Therefore we have been buried with Christ through baptism into death. We saw that picture with all those being baptized today. In order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we've become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin. 
You'll hear more from Pastor Michael in a moment. Thanks for tuning in to Walk in Truth today. Did you know there's more where that came from? Download the Living Truth app to listen to more of Pastor Michael's teachings whenever you want. You can even watch videos. And if you're local to Southern California, you can get updates on church events, new studies, and more. Download the free Living Truth app today. Listen to our podcast mini-series, A Step Closer. In these series, Pastor Michael Lance and others on the Walk in Truth team discuss topics we face in our life from a Christian perspective. Our next series is called Trick or Treat, The Origins of Halloween. Some of the symbols that you see around you on this holiday, you'll see imagery of death, skeletons, skulls, black, all of this stuff ties to their thought that the veil was the thinnest on this night. And so they thought that somehow, if there was a chance to communicate with those who had moved on, those who had died, it would be on this night. You can listen to A Step Closer on walkintruth.com, or you can subscribe and follow Walk In Truth on your favorite podcast app, like Apple Podcasts, iHeartRadio, Spotify, and many more. We'd love to see who's listening, so please connect with us on Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram. Just do a search for Walkin' Truth Show. Now, back to Pastor Michael Lance, right here on Walkin' Truth. From their bondage, I will free you, NIV, from being slaves to them. This is the cup of deliverance. This is just something that you can write down. I'm going to read it for you. Romans 6, 4 through 6 says, Therefore, we have been buried with Christ through baptism into death, We saw that picture with all those being baptized today. In order that as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, so we too might walk in newness of life. For if we become united with him in the likeness of his death, certainly we shall also be in the likeness of his resurrection. Knowing this, that our old self was crucified with him, that our body of sin might be done away with, that we should no longer be slaves to sin." Now, the Lord is the Spirit. Here's the Bible verse for the National Day of Prayer this year, 2 Corinthians 3.17. Now, the Lord is the Spirit, and where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is liberty or freedom. That's right. The Lord sets us free. He's not just going to remove the burden. He wants you to walk in deliverance. He wants you to walk in freedom. If the Son makes you free, you shall be free indeed. But some of us are still walking work like we're slaves. We, some of us are buying tickets and setting up caravans to go back to Egypt, just like the, the Hebrews did when, the, when things got a little bit tough. Oh, we're going back. I'm sick of the manna. How many times can you eat manicotti in a week, man? I mean, come on. That's just a joke with an Italian bent. Revelation 1.5 says... And from Jesus Christ, the faithful witness, the firstborn of the dead, the ruler of the kings of the earth, listen to this, to him who loves us and released us from our sins by his blood. And he has made us to be a kingdom, priest to his God and Father. To him be the glory and the dominion forever and ever. And all God's people said, amen. Amen. That's not the end of the sermon, but that's a good place for an amen. Now, the third cup in verse 6 is called the cup of redemption. So God breaks our chains, and he also redeems us. This is the cup that Jesus instituted 
the new covenant. This is the new covenant in my blood. You've heard about the cup of redemption. Well, at the Seder meal, this is the particular cup that Jesus says, drink from it, all of you. This is the new covenant in my blood. This supplants, or it is the better covenant to the old, but it's pictured in the Seder. And again, you have the the I will statement, I will redeem you with an outstretched arm, with God's mighty arm, and with great judgments. The third cup is the cup of redemption. Isaiah 54, 5 says, For your husband is your maker, whose name is Yahweh of hosts, and your redeemer is the Holy One of Israel, who is called the God of all the earth. What does redemption mean? Well, redemption is a word in in Greek and Hebrew which literally means to purchase with a price or to buy back. And it's pictured in a book of the Bible that I think many of you are familiar with, the book of Hosea. Let me just paint the picture for you quickly without us turning there. Hosea was a prophet of God, and he was prophesying, I think, during the 8th century B.C., and there was the threat of Assyrian invasion, and the people of Israel were loved by God, but they continued to be wayward. And so God instructed Hosea the prophet to go and marry what some versions of Scripture seem to imply was a prostitute, a woman that was wayward, a woman that would commit adultery against him. And he was instructed with his eyes wide open to go and marry a woman that would not be true to him. And so he goes and marries her, and offspring come into the picture. And at some point in that relationship, she leaves him. Some commentators, no joke, believe that she has gotten herself involved in prostitution, and a pimp, what we call a modern-day pimp, is now in control of her life. And so Hosea is called to go and buy her back. And she's married to him, so he has every right, right? But she's gotten herself in a web of sin, and she's actually in some form of prostitution or slavery. And so Hosea goes to the slave market and purchases his wife back and redeems her back to himself. And when she comes home, he says to her, please don't cheat on me anymore. And some of us ask the question, why would God ever ask a holy prophet of his to marry a prostitute knowing what she would do? And the whole thing is outlined in scripture to become a picture of God's relationship with Israel, that though he loves Israel and he continues to reach out with his love to her, she is enamored with idols and she continues to, continues to commit spiritual adultery against him. And God says, Hosea, I want you to walk in my sandals now. Everybody's concerned about looking at life from their perspective. I want you to see my perspective. Here's my perspective. I bought this people. I love them. And they continue to cheat on me. But I want you to go and buy buy her back. And I want you to tell her that you love her and that you're not going to give up on her. And I know there's theology, you know, that's out there that, you know, the church has replaced Israel and, and God's not working uh, uh, in literal physical Israel anymore. I beg to differ. I think the Bible makes it very clear that God is working and will work in the future in the actual physical nation of Israel. And I think the whole picture of scripture is undeniable that that's the case. The church is grafted in, no doubt, to those promises, praise God. 
But God will always be true to the promises that he has made to his people. But it's not been without bumps and bruises. It's not been without tough love, amen? And by the way, the same thing that happened with Israel applies to the church. Yes, we're in the new covenant, but God still disciplines his children. And that's because he loves you. So daddy does spank. But he does it because he loves you. He doesn't want you to be wayward because he knows if you go off to back to the idols, back to that lifestyle, it's just going to put you back in bondage and he wants you to be free. See, he's redeemed you with a price, not silver and gold, but the precious blood of Jesus Christ without spot, without blemish. Don't forget who you are. Now this word ga'al in Hebrew, the, the, uh, the word for redeem means to buy back what was originally one's own. And the root is the idea of a kinsman redeemer. And this is seen in the book of Ruth where, uh, what's the guy's name again? See, this is names again. Say it again. Boaz, thank you. <laughs> you guys are all saying it at the same time. Like, ah, what? Anyway. Boaz, see, I told you with the names thing. Anyway, but he steps in and he becomes the kinsman redeemer. And you can see that in Ruth chapters three and four. And Boaz is a a type of Christ. And so he pays the ransom. You have three cups. The I wills, you can see the buying back. We have been bought with the price. Therefore, glorify God in your body. 1 Corinthians 6, 19 says you've been bought with a price. Glorify God in your body. You've been listening to The Four Cups, Part 2 on Walk in Truth. And that was Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter 6, verses 1 through 9. And if you missed any part of today's program, you can listen to Walk in Truth on our free Living Truth app or wherever you get your podcasts. Hey, we'd love to hear from you. You can email Pastor Michael with your questions based on whatever you heard in his teaching today. Or maybe you have a question about something else or need encouragement or prayer. Or maybe you just want to share with us how Pastor Michael's teachings have blessed you. You can email Pastor Michael at this email address, contact at walkintruth.com. That's contact at walkintruth.com. One more time, contact at walkintruth.com. And thanks for reaching out. Now here's Pastor Michael with a final word. Well, maybe you would say sometimes it's easy to respond to God's promises, and sometimes it's hard when I'm going through hard times. I mean, I love the promises of God, but what about when I'm not feeling it, or I'm hurting, or I'm sick, or I feel betrayed, or I wonder if God's hearing my prayers? What do I do now? Do you know that some of the most beautiful promises in all the Bible— are for hard times. <laughs> you know, you see some of these uh, the these study Bibles or pocket Bibles, whatever they may be called, but they'll often have verses for times of trouble or times of depression or stuff like that. The Bible is filled with promises for hard times. So don't feel like just because you're not necessarily in the most celebratory mood at the moment that you can't still anchor hope in the promises of God when it's not going well. Because a lot of life is a struggle. We're not always riding high, but God is faithful in the valleys as well as on the mountaintops. 
This is Pastor Michael Lance. Hey, we've been listening to The Four Cups, a message from Exodus chapter 6. As we move through the book of Exodus right here on Walk in Truth. Hey, if you're a new listener to us, I just want to say hello. Welcome aboard. This is our style, going through books of the Bible, digging in, mining the beautiful jewels of God's rich word. And that's what you can expect when you tune into Walk in Truth. Hey, we appreciate all the partners of Walk in Truth, monthly partners, one-time givers, especially those of you who pray for us. And I'm not saying that in passing. We covet your prayers. Please pray for us. We are on the front lines and we want to do more and we want to expand into more territory, but we need your prayers and we need your provision. That What does that mean? It means, hey, if you feel led to give, give what you can because the body of Christ is the ones that are making this radio broadcast happen. God gets the glory, but you know what I'm saying. You know, somebody puts in the plumbing as well. And uh, we appreciate all of you who partner with us. You know who you are. Thank you from the bottom of my heart, our team's heart. Um, we have a brand new uh, part of our team on the board today. His name is Jarrett. Welcome aboard, Jarrett. And uh, all of us on this small team, I should say, we really, uh, we're, we are honored to do what we do. So I just want to say thank you for praying for us. Please pray for us. Go to walkintruth.com. If you've been thinking about partnering with us, you can find out more about giving. It's all available at walkintruth.com. See you tomorrow. And join us tomorrow for part three of Pastor Michael's teaching in Exodus chapter six, verses one through nine, called The Four Cups. I'm Mike Massaro. Thanks for listening to Walk in Truth, where it's our goal to equip you to reach out with God's truth to all people.